goal chance for Conor McGregor and he'll surely give it in Conor. What a goal! Mackey heading it towards the 21 meter line. Team oh, Mackey still going. Go on, your boy. Goal is on for Cats. Oh, what a goal! I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now, anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly, but will stick in your mind that the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. Did a small change before the game worth the street. I've been a look Donovan Conner back. Wild effort on goal. It's oh, on the goal. Yes, you're welcome to the Off the Ball GA podcast. All of our GA news talk with Borgosh Energy, official sponsor of the GA Hurling Under 21 Championship. Keep up to date and follow hashtag Hurling to the Core. Dave McIntyre with you back after uh, a little bit of a breakaway, so I'm sure our listeners were devastated that I wasn't around. Where'd you go, actually? Dubrovnik. To a wedding. I believe it's lovely. It's a phenomenal place. Is it, yeah? Bloody expensive, though. Did you let yourself Ridiculously go? Ridiculously expensive. Did <laughs> Make sure you're I let up. myself go, but I'd like to think I didn't let myself down. It was a, it, I recommend it to anybody, certainly on a once-off trip, but they will charge an arm and a leg for pretty much everything over there. It's not as cheap as people expect it to be. We di- we digress already. You haven't much arm or leg anyway in the first no, place. No, this is it. That's the voice of Shane Stapleton. We are uh, reunited ahead of an absolutely massive weekend in the GAA. Three All-Ireland Football quarterfinals. Billy Joe Padden is going to join us to talk us through those three games. Dublin, Monaghan, Tyrone, Armagh. And then, of course, the replay on, on Monday between Mayo and Roscommon. And no doubt in Shane's mind, the big game of the weekend, which is the All-Ireland Hurling semi-final clash of Tipperary and Galway. Yeah. Are you nervous? Very much so, yeah. Like, and obviously with the Tipperary hat on, Tip have looked so uncomfortable against Galway in the last few years. This is the f- uh, fourth year in a row that they've played in the championship because in 2014 there was a qualifier game in Thurles, and they always upset Tipperary physically. So it's it's a bit of a nail biter watching throughout this uncomfortable feeling like it used to be against Kilkenny. This Galway team just they put their boot on your throat and try and keep it there for 70 minutes so it's really uncomfortable viewing but well, for a neutral I just can't wait I'm yeah. going to be there for off the ball I really can't uh, wait to, to do it I was, I'm doing the commentary in the Waterford Cork game for Sky so I'm, I'm looking forward to that but just I'll be able to sit back and just take it all in this Sunday afternoon it could be an absolute belter Cahill Moore the former Galway hurler is going to join us to talk about that um, but as usual we always start with one or two talking points the big maybe story of the week in between the the two sets of games last weekend and this weekend is is Rory Gallagher. He has departed the uh, main job in Galway. He was on Off the Ball last night. A very interesting piece. It, it has been podcasted, so if listeners to this podcast want to hear the conversation that Jer and Joe had with Rory Gallagher, it's a really interesting one. They do go in deep into the whole Jimmy Guinness subject and maybe some of the commentary from Jimmy Guinness in his newspaper column over the last couple of years when referencing Galway. But or Donegal rather I'm disappointed for Galway or for Donegal football yeah, that Rory you're really mixing these two I don't know what's up, going on there going on you, I'm disappointed yeah. for Donegal football that Rory Gallagher has stepped away because I think he was building something from a, a quite a low base in that he's pretty much had to start putting together a new team and now another manager is going to maybe reap the benefits of the introduction that albeit the the baptism of fire that that introduction was for so many of the young players this year. The David Moyes sort of position where you come in after the guy who's got the unbelievable reputation, you come in after the Alex Ferguson and the Jim McGuinness. Yeah, it's, you're on a bit of a hiding to nothing, especially when you have to change around so much of the team. But you can't really afford to take hidings like that. That Galway game... But the job was his if he wanted it. Yeah. It wasn't like he's been forced out. Maybe not, but even so, I mean, the, the 
you can imagine what's been said. And is it is it comfortable being the manager when people are talking about getting absolutely hockeyed? You know, because, geez, that loss to Galway was... Oh, I don't want to use the word pathetic, but I feel like... It I was terrible. It was, it was a really so, so undone goal like performance. Nowhere near the levels we've come accustomed to, but... The Tyrone match as well. You know, they weren't just beaten. They were absolutely hammered for a finish. Yeah, they looked at a terrible championship. Yeah. All they had to show for it was the win over Antrim and then a fairly average performance in beating Meath and Navin. But at the same time, they put in some decent performances in the league. Maybe they were a bit further down the road in strength and conditioning and fitness and training than a lot of the teams they were up against. But it's so young a side that I really wanted to see whether he could build on the experience that the guys, these guys would be bringing into 2018. He's probably going to lose one or two more. Mm. I certainly don't think Frank McGlynn or Carl Lacey are really up to the standard of what's required anymore. Well, like Even what he did with Frank McGlynn, which is to bring him off right before halftime, it's yeah. something that I... I don't understand why that happens in a game that was gone. I, yeah. The lads didn't ask Rory about that last night. I'm sure Rory has his reasons, but it's a, it's a humiliating experience. You can yeah. to Just to wait another two minutes I remember and do it in the changing room. Three or two, Maybe it was three years ago, something like that. I think it was pretty much Conor Coonan's last year with uh, Cork. Um, and he brought Damien Cahalan mm. off in injury time in the first half. And I just thought to myself, geez, I would not want to play football for, you know, what would be the point in playing on under this manager if they're going to do that to you? And, it, you know, it's just something that really leaves a bad taste. And especially with Frank McGlynn, who spent so many years operating at such a high level. Just, I mean, give the lad another two minutes. Yeah, no, I agree. Humiliated. I do agree. And, and to be fair to Carl Lacey, I don't think we should base an awful lot on his performance against Galway because when he came on the game was done, nah, it was done. and yeah, it was there's very little you can do to really affect that game but for a couple of years Carl hasn't been operating at the level that saw him win what was it four all-star mm. awards and was a contender for routine almost for the footballer yeah. of the year award so look it's a big rebuilding job but a lot of the, maybe the work has certainly been put in place and um, a new manager is going to get to work with what well, is undoubtedly an awful lot of talent, and you still have the likes of um, Paddy McGrath, he sticks around, Patrick McBrearty, Michael Murphy. I mean, there's some serious talent in that Donegal team, and you'd hope those older guys will make sure that the standards don't slip like they did in the uh, early, late part of the uh, the noughties, 2009, 2010, mm. where at some stage they were laughing stock. So see, we'll see where Donegal go. Mm, they have a bit of underage talent coming through, and they won Ulster, but the way that they lost the All Ireland semi final in under 21 to Dublin, I was. Like they were favourites in the first place, I think, and a lot of people. But they were like the schedule was. I know there were there were mitigating circumstances. Like even like Conor Callahan was black carded after just a couple of minutes, and you thought, "Go out and win this game; it's there for you." And they just sat back in a, in a frustrating way. Do you remember the twenty? I think they were knackered though. Maybe they were. They maybe they were. So maybe I'm being harsh, but like. And Dublin did go on to win the All Ireland, and they have shown there's a couple of guys in that team mm-hmm. that are potential superstars. But I suppose the point I'm getting at is. It doesn't look like as much as these players are players for the future for Donegal. It mightn't happen this year, or it mightn't happen next year. It mightn't happen the year after. It might be three or four years, and maybe Rory has looked at it and said, "Do you know what? If if I stay there for another year, mm. we're probably going to take another beating or two, and, and maybe even and the, the job that's involved, the job yeah. of work involved. He's got a very young family. He's um, running uh, Super Value and Killy Bags. Like he's got, <laughs> you can only be pulled apart so for so long mm. in terms of the the various commitments you've got across your own did, life. So, did you see the um, some guy did a blog this week where he was uh, taking the mick out of Jim McGuinness's articles in the Irish Times? He was kind of saying that there there are all these kind of um, there's there's sort of th- some things that are very much uh, Jim McGuinness to every article. So he's uh, he's talking about how. 
the tactics of let's say Roger Schmidt with uh, that that team in Shanghai and how he's met somebody in an airport he's having a beer with Gerard Houllier and it's always this real irreverent thing that none of the rest of us mere mortals could ever possibly conceive and then he drops in his own management with Donegal yeah. it's just real formulaic it was very actually funny the way it was done I'll and have to have a read of that yeah it's on my Twitter timeline at Shane Zane if you want to have a look at it anyway it's very amusing anything else you want to touch on before we get into a lot of games to discuss just the fact that Harry Kyo went and spoke on Tyke de Burka's behalf to try and get him off for the All-Ireland semi-final it's so refreshing yeah and like I think to some degree you have to look at okay maybe he made it looked like he made contact with um, with, Tyke, with Kyo's helmet that's fine but in cases like this where nothing actually happened it seemed quite you know accidental in some ways perhaps where he's just trying to push him out mm. of the way and he happened to catch his helmet that you, you look at things for this like a suspended sentence so there was no actual um, grievous harm caused so that okay Tig, we've seen you've done that we're going to give you a warning this time suspended uh, one match sentence but if it happens again not only are you going to get a game ban you're going to get that suspended yeah. ban as well so you'll get a two game because there's I been an utter absence of discretion in yeah. this um this particular case, you feel terribly sorry for Tug de Burke. You feel so sorry for Waterford because his absence is going to be so mm. keenly felt. Maybe in the top two or three players in that Waterford team that they could least afford to lose, given how influential he can be in that position. But um, no, I agree. It was nice to see Harry Kyo making an effort there and it sh- should probably happen more often. Um, we'll probably leave it there. We will uh, be talking hurling next because Cahill Moore of Goy is going to talk to us about he. Are about how his side are shaping up ahead of this absolutely potentially epic clash with Tipperary on Sunday. All right, time to talk hurling now. Ahead of the All Ireland hurling semi final between Tip and Galway at the weekend, former Galway hurler Cahill Moore has joined us on the podcast. Cahill, how's it going? Great, Dave, thank you. Um, this is just so intriguing, this game, and it's kind of the perfect riposte to what happened in the league final. I think a lot of non-Tipperary and Galway fans would have been desperately hoping that we saw these two sides meet again at some stage and maybe after how badly Tip fared in Munster it didn't look all that likely but what are they, what's the mood in Galway this week given how one side of the league final was? Is there a little bit of a fear of a backlash in Galway? Yeah, I suppose because uh, maybe Tip wanted to meet Galway again after the league final I don't think Galway had any wish, they probably knew if they were going to win in All-Ireland this year they'd have to meet Tip at some stage and it was, it was going to happen but I suppose look, uh, ideally probably the final was the place to meet them but look, they've no choice in that down, they just have to deal, to deal with it but uh, after a comprehensive beating in the league final you know, I suppose it's advantage Tip in terms of attitude going into the game on Sunday. Carl, that full back line of Tipperary though, and, and obviously Carl Barrett's not on the panel, but it looked unbelievably shaky against uh, Clare, and I can see a lot of joy for that Galway full forward line, especially Connor Whelan. I know he didn't uh, he didn't get a lot on the score sheet against Wexford, but he's been really impressive. He, I think he scored 17 points from play in the three games before that as well. Connor Cooney's on fire as well. There's huge opportunities there for Galway to put up a big score. Conor Whelan has certainly uh, improved this year and you can see the benefit of a, an extra year's training and an extra year's experience. And, you know, th- this year was always going to be a tough year for him to follow up on a promising year last year, but he has certainly done it. And the only thing I'd say about Carl Barrett, I, I don't know what Michael Ryan's thinking was in relation to it, but if you, you go back to the last two times that Galway have played Tipperary and Carl Barrett has been playing, Conor Whelan certainly troubled him in the league final and Conor Cooney this time last year troubled him in... Uh, in the first half in Co Park, so maybe that was part of the, the thinking as well. So, 
But look, Galway proved their worth in terms of their forwards in the, the last twice they've played, but the challenge is there again again to do it. Look, Tippers have problems in their full-back line. There's no getting away from it. What I can't understand is why James Barry hasn't been picked at full-back and, and left there. And maybe to have that, you know, that's fine. And maybe that's what we will see uh, in the game on Sunday, that he, he will be picked and left there. And that Dunamar, who has done very well since he's, he's come in, and then they're just down to finding another cornerback, and you know that's that's not impossible. There's a lot of a lot of good hurlers in Tipperary, and they've had underage teams. They've had a lot of success under Liam Cahill at minor level. So, look, they're they're not stuck for hurlers, and I, I think the the whole full back line thing has been blown up out of all proportion. And uh, you know, it, there's definitely a problem there. They're not as good as they were last year. They would be a better team with a fully fit Cahill Barris, but uh, look, Michael Ryan has made the decision that he's to go without him and. Uh, in what they've achieved last year you'd have to respect that Yeah it's an interesting point you make about Kyle Barrett not exactly pulling up trees against Galway in the last couple of years even in the 2015 semi-final that score from Shane Maloney he actually slipped and allowed Maloney a free shot to get the point as well so it's an interesting point Uh, the other options that Michael Ryan has he clearly doesn't trust um, Michael Cahill's fitness at the moment or, or his form whatever it is because you know he obviously had a poor league final I'm not sure if he's fully over some hip issues um, yeah Sean O'Brien is the other option he came off the bench against uh, Clare as well now just in the Tipperary full forward line they've scored 524 from play in the last two games but are Tipperary going to be able to get enough ball in there to trouble that full back line and, and Dahi Burke did very well on Seamus Callanan last year and it was only when John McGrath went full forward and Callanan swapped over that Tip started to get a bit of joy along with Bubbles coming in off the bench Yeah I, I th- look going back to the league final you'd say Paul Killeen is, is going to be a loss uh, yeah. to Galway you know there's no there's no doubt going, going forward that he he had solved a problem for them as uh, left corner back and he had the ability to play as uh, wing back as well but uh, the league final we have to remember they, they didn't have Seamus Callan they didn't have Bonner Mar, and mm-hmm. look, they're they're two very important uh, forwards there's a lot of talk about the two the full back line of Tip and the full forward line of Galway and the full forward line of Tipperary and will Galway hold them but I think this game is going to hinge on midfield I think it's kind of been a forgotten area for a lot of games, but I, I think there's tremendous potential there for a big, uh, 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 you know, a big day at midfield for one of the teams. And if Brendan Mare can get on top at midfield, it, it will solve a lot of Tipperary's problems because uh, David Burke and Johnny Cohn have got the better of most exchanges at midfield in, in matches so far. So I, I think that's going to be a very important area, and it feeds into your point there, Shane, what you're saying about the feeding the Tipperary full forward line. If Galway can cut off that supply. And it, it remains to be seen as to whether or not Tip will get Brendan Maher to sit back and help his half-back line. If he does, then that may free up Aidan Hart to do what he's done in the whole championship this year, which is, you know, he plays that role very well when he, he's left as a free. He, he gives great protection to the half-back line and the full-back line. Carl, when you analyse Tipperary's issues in the Munster quarter-final defeat to Cork and compare them to the side that performed against Clare in the All-Ireland quarter-final. Do you see any major improvements? I mean, they still conceded 3-16 in that game against Clare, a Clare side that seemed to be hitting wides like they were going out of fashion. It could have, it could have been a massive score they conceded that day. I just wonder, are Tip any better now than they were in that league final or in that Munster quarter-final? Or have they just been handed fairly negotiable draws and that's what's seen, seen them land in an All-Ireland semi-final? Well, I think if you go back in the Galway games of the past two years, um, tip, tip have always made it a shootout and they would back themselves that their forwards are going to put up a bigger score and I think the problem with Cork this year was Cork put up a bigger score and the score that they scored in that game was enough to win most championship games down through the years 
And I think the really interesting thing about Sunday is going to be what are the managers, both managers who were there last year, are they going to take the approach that they've taken in the you know last year, in that they're going to try and score more than the other team? And if it comes down to that, then it obviously comes down to a battle of who's going to score from from play and who's going to get the crucial goals. Because at, at this juncture last year, it was Tipperary that got the crucial goals in the end. To, yeah, Bubbles. Bubbles' goal was the crucial goal and John McGrath followed it up. So it, it's all about that. Uh, can the Galway full back line hold that Tipperary full forward line based on this thing of are they going to get enough ball? And if they get enough ball, that's going to be difficult. And uh, Ultimately, I think it's going to come down to the, the clash between Dahi Burke and Seamus Callan. And whoever comes out on top there, well, I think that's the team that's going to come out on top at the end of the day. Since the league semi-final against Galway, uh, or against Limerick, when Galway won by 10 points, Galway have looked like you know, a team you can count on, a bit of a mean machine this year, similar to how Tipperary looked last year. I just wonder about the forward line, um, if it's going to continue to, li- to deliver for Galway. Now, Joe Canning's obviously playing a bit more of a roaming role, but between himself and Jason Flynn, I think they have one point from play in their last two games. We haven't seen Cahill Mannion since the uh, Leinster semi-final against Offaly. He left the, the grounds in a, with a protective boot over his left foot. Uh, do you think that there's any worry that Galway will come into this game and not continue the form they've shown? Well, I think what's been pleasing from a Galway point of view going to games this year is that there's different forwards that are stepping forward. And in fairness to Joe Canning, he's a, you know he, he has always chipped in with the scores. But there's been different uh, players coming forward, like you know, Connor Whelan, who, who's scoring heavily from play. You've mentioned Kyle Mannion. Again, we would have been depending on him more from to score from play last year. So different lads have stepped forward. Connor Cooney had a great day in the Leinster final. Joseph Cooney had a fine game in the Leinster final. And I think that's the pleasing thing, that the, the scores are going around and that's what you want, different people to step forward because, you know, uh, teams will target certain forwards to try and close them down and that's when you need your other forwards to come into the game. And I think that's what Galway have done. They've really shared that the scoring load this year and I think it's stood to them. And, you know, you could say in one way they haven't really been tested, but in another way I think they've performed very well. And look, they can only beat what's in front of them. Just to put my Tipperary hat on for a minute, last year watching that All-Ireland semi-final that uh, Tipperary won by a point against Galway, there was an uncomfortable feeling throughout the whole game because Galway were winning the physical exchanges and I also felt that you thought a bit more about your matchups than Tipperary did. Tipperary put out their six backs, that's where they're playing we're tip, you know, we, we'll, this is how we're, we're setting out our stall. Whereas I, I thought that uh, Michael Donoghue identified some mismatches. He put Conor Cooney on corner forward on Cahill Barrett and he won some high ball over him. It was quite successful. And he put Conor Whelan in full forward with his pace against James Barry, al- although they never fed him. And then going the other direction, 38 times in the game, uh, Darren Gleeson, who was in goals that day, had the ball in his hand between play and puckouts. 35 times he went long and only twice did Tipperary catch a puck out cleanly. So it just really felt to me that Tipperary are just going to go out and hurl and there isn't really too much of a thought for the tactics, whereas Galway are going to look to identify these mismatches. Yeah, there was a, definitely, you could say, Shane, there was a lot of thought, definitely, on Neil Dunham's side going, going into the, the matchups. That was, that was quite obvious, but I suppose these teams know each other so well now and there's probably a bit of uh, revenge on Tipperary's mind from the league final because, look, they came into that match as All-Ireland champions and they, look, it, it was an aberration in, in many respects. But, you know, that'll be in their memory. They, they won't like that and they won't like to go out of the championship to, as All-Ireland champions to go all the way having been beaten twice in the same year. And, look, no, no matter what anybody says, it is difficult to beat the same team twice in, a, in any year. But that's the challenge for Galway, and if Galway can do that, it'll give them great confidence going into a fight. You mentioned, Carl, how 
familiar the two teams are with each other and they've met so often over the last few years. I wonder, is there any chance of some sort of a rabbit been pulled out of the hat? Maybe more so by Galway, because I think we... We acknowledge that Tipper just going to go out there hurl. They're going to play the same way. They're just going to get the ball down that end of the field and hope their forwards will put more on the board than the opposition. But if there is something in uh, the Galway manager's mind that he may just throw in there, whether it's a tweak to the system, a tweak to the way they've set themselves up structurally, maybe somebody who's going to start that we don't expect it to be, just to throw the cat amongst the pigeons and, and surprise Tipperary in some way. Do you think there's any chance of that happening or is it just going to be a slugfest and whoever's standing at the end will be the team in the final? I think it'd be very difficult for anybody in Galway to name the exact team that's going to take the field. But uh, I'd say we probably see Jason Flynn. Jason Flynn is a forward who has done well against Tipperary in, in, in recent times, particularly in the league final where his, his scores were crucial. And I know Shane has mentioned, you know, that you know the lack of scoring since, but he he's that kind of a player, and he he just has ever he has size, but he has also great pace. And uh, I think that's if the right kind of ball can can if Flynn is picked and he is playing. And, you know, as you say there, Dave, look, it's it's all on the personnel. We don't know who the personnel are yet, but, you know, there is the potential there for somebody to come in. And because they're watching the Seamus Callans and they're watching the Joe Cannings, that it does give that leeway to somebody to come in and, and, and have a great game. And, you know, that, that could be Conor Whelan. He's shown a great bit of form this year. And if he can continue that form through, that, that could end up being the difference on the day. You confident they'll get it done? Look, I don't think we we've never gone into a, an All Ireland semi final with the, the the form that we've shown, but I, I really think it's also set up as an ambush for Tip as well, because there are you know going into the game, it, it's a bit of an insult to them to be written that they're they were in a league final, they they didn't perform, they were lacking a couple of key, key players. They're still going in as All Ireland champions, and I suppose they'll see it as a great chance of putting two two together in that. You know, Galway have been made slight favourites and that's a bit of an insult to them. Look, going on the form of the last couple of years, there's only been a puck of the ball between them. I, I hope that it will be Galway that will get through to the final. I think they're a team that deserve an All-Ireland, but you don't always get what you deserve. But yeah, look, I, I'd be hoping that Galway can squeeze through by a couple of points and, you know, who knows then in the, in the final. Carl, enjoy the game. Thanks so much for taking the call. You're welcome, Dave. You can tell in the voice of Carl Moore, there's, there's trepidation in, in Galway. They fully believe in their team. They believe in the form lines. But there's a real level of wariness there. Yeah, well, there's, there is in Tipperary too. So it's not just a one-way street. Um, the work rate from Tip in that league final was not good. And Brian McDonald from the Tipperary Star, he's done a really interesting article on it and he's shown how the Tip work rate has gone through the roof since. Now, it mightn't be quite at last year's level, but the full forward line of Callan and McGrath and uh, Bubbles They've got they got in a few turnovers even against mm-hmm. uh, Clare. You know a lot a lot of tackles put in, so you'd have to you'd, you'd have to say there's been a marked improvement in Tipperary, but you can't imagine away the full back line problems. The Tipperary need to get more tackles in at midfield. Like the, the midfield partnership needs to get on the ball a little bit more. Uh, Brendan Maher and Michael Breen, and we know David Burke is pretty much the best midfielder in Ireland along with Jamie Barron. Uh, Johnny Cohn is a converted cornerback at midfield, much like Michael Breen was actually a fullback for under twenty one and minor for Tipperary. So I, I just wonder, will Tipperary look at him and think we've got to put him out of his comfort zone here? And like, so there are opportunities for both teams there. Joe Canning is a big one. Well, I wanted before we moved off the hurdle, I wanted to talk to you about Joe because there's no goy related conversation without the focus being on Joe. Ten points in the Leinster final, but none of those were from play. He did keep the scoreboard ticking over. We did feel that 
over the years, the burden of the scoring was too heavily reliant, reliant on Joe's shoulders. And so it got to the point where if he didn't perform well, Galway didn't win. Now, he's not necessarily shooting the lights out and Galway are winning. But the freedom with which he has to play doesn't quite seem to be manifesting itself yet, despite the fact that you've got Conor Cooney, Joseph Cooney, uh, Whelan, all chipping in with big scores in these games that Galway are winning. So when will we see the, the free-flowing, unburdened Joe Canning finally step up and really take a big game for Galway and, and, and show that maybe they are in a really good place and he doesn't necessarily always have to be shouldering that? Yeah, but like the whole game plan will be well, like the game plan for years would have been built about let's get the ball into Joe's mm. hand, and I just don't like he's got an unbelievable talent, and he's a brilliant hurler. But is he a brilliant player? And it's about time that he took over a couple of these big games and was the guy. Like I was watching him in the Leinster final to see what's he doing. Like is he going around demanding the ball, looking for it off people all the time? And he wasn't. You know, he was kind of just floating around. And Matthew Hanlon ended up scoring two points off him, which seems unthinkable. The Leinster final last year, when Kilkenny were in trouble at halftime, they brought on Richie Hogan and he scored five points from play, won the game for them. Joe Canning in that game touched the ball a grand total of eight times over 70-odd minutes and four of them were in his own half. Like, I want to see Joe Canning go out and take over the game and not just give us a couple of YouTube highlight clips because we, we know he can score scores that nobody else can do. But, like, he was very anonymous against Offaly. I thought he was anonymous enough against uh, Wexford. He did a couple of good things. I remember he caught a ball at one stage and set up a few scoring chances. But with his talent, he needs to be going for the ball, constantly demanding it off his teammates and taking over this game. Now, he'll float from centre-forward. Will Tipperary put a man-marker on him or will they just hope that midfield will, will kind of get on him? Uh, I think they should man-mark him. My only worry would be if they sent out Seamus Kendi on him to man-mark him, that there's going to be big gaps at the back and Galway's pace will cause problems so for that reason I'd be tipping Galway because I think they've got that versatility that Tipperary maybe don't tip lack pace in a lot of positions and that's an opportunity for Galway all right, GN off the ball with Borgosh Energy, proud sponsor of the GA Hurling Under 21 Championship bringing customers closer to the action at BG or BGE rewards.ie. We're going to switch codes after this. Billy Joe Patton's going to chat to us about the three All-Ireland quarterfinals we've got to look forward to over the next few days. All right, time to look ahead to the weekend's football. Um, Billy Joe Padden, a regular voice on Off the Ball, is with us. Billy Joe, how's it going? Very good. Good, Dave. Good to be talking to you. It's the last ever All-Ireland football quarterfinal weekend, Billy Joe. Um, unless there are draws this weekend. But let's, let's assume that the two games on Sunday don't go to a replay. What will your memories of All-Ireland quarterfinals be? Well, I say I last ever. Obviously, obviously, the, the uh, Super 8s could go down in a blaze of uh, hail of bullets and we might be back in the same place in three or four years time but on the assumption that once the lucrative group stages are in place that the GA will never really want to turn their back on it what what are your thoughts on, on what we're saying goodbye to well if I was to bet on uh, us seeing quarterfinals again I would uh, go with that one because I think as they expand the championship I think we'll end up having quarterfinals again at some stage in the, maybe the distant future but I, I think generally the uh, been positive, I suppose, as uh, primarily a, a Mayo footballer, uh, I have positive memories of of, of beating Tyrone in a, in a big qualifier. I think way back in in oh four oh four yeah. That was that incredible that. day when Fermanagh beat Armagh. Exactly, and I think that was probably the qualifiers were maybe new in their 
reckoning at that stage and it, it really kind of um I think the way you described it, it was a great day. That's the way it was because the quarterfinals gave you this opportunity to go to these doubleheader games and uh, see four teams in action and, like in that case, see some surprises and some high-quality football. So I think, yeah, the more more games at this stage, more better, as they say. Uh, um, and I think that the GA have gone along those lines with, the, I suppose, the proposed Super 8s as well. Yeah, Shane, they were the types of days for the neutral, weren't they? There's a lot of people who are going to go yeah. to Croke Park this weekend that have no, no allegiance to Tyrone, Armagh, Dublin or Monaghan. They just want to see four of the top teams of the country and they're getting ba- they're bang for their book and we may not see that again. Yeah, I mean... I'm, yeah, and, and like... i let you go again, Billy Joe, if you've got something yeah. on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> Sorry, sir. No, I was just saying that something I was thinking of at last weekend is that like, I don't think the GAA do a good enough job of marketing these weekends as events in themselves, even for the neutral. You know, to, to I know we saw some good crowds as well and I, I really think they're the best football weekends of the year. Uh, you know, the, when you have a couple of qualifiers and quarterfinals all jump jumble in and co park it, it, it makes for, for, for a great day out you know yeah and he, actually even just on that point in the, like do you think of the Club All-Ireland final weekends and Paddy's Day the, ta- uh, the town is absolutely thronged with tourists and you think if a stall and uh, a minibus was set up in town and just tell people you're going to see the authentic genuine games of mm-hmm. Ireland come out here it's like 20 quid and you get two games and you get the bus in and out of town You'd, like you get thousands more people in there, I'd imagine. So, like particularly on Paddy's Day, when yeah. when you know you're going to get see see both balls, you get a bit, yeah. bit of football and a bit of hurling. If anybody wants yeah. to do that this Saturday, they might struggle because such is the demand. Yeah. Given that the Dubs are in town, obviously we're out an All Ireland series. It's going to be sold out. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be a huge crowd watching Tyrone and Armagh because we know that a lot of the Dublin fans will probably end up watching that on the TV. But we might as well start chronologically, Billy Joe. This Tyrone Armagh game. It's it's such a beautifully set up game, isn't it? It's it's the one team that I wanted Tyrone to face when the draw was being made. I really want to see them being tested by an Armagh team that looks like it's going places. Yeah, no doubt, and I think it's probably the one draw as well that Tyrone didn't want because I know that Armagh have beaten Tyrone a couple of years ago in the qualifiers, and I know Tyrone have improved a lot since then. But I think there's something about that rivalry, and it is a real derby game, and. The recent history, you know, played in All Ireland against each other, two great teams back in the the noughties, uh that, that that hammered it out in Ulster and in Crow Park, and it went either way. And I think that I think Armagh will relish the opportunity to be underdogs here. And there's just something about Armagh under Keenan McGinley that they just look so poor in Ulster, and yet they come to Crow Park, and, and even in some of the the league uh, and Crow Park league finals. And even with Grimley and and uh, Geezer Mandigan a couple of years ago, they had some really good co-park performances. And I know um, McGinney has a lot of experience of playing there himself. And I suppose with managing Kildare, he would have he would have you know he would know how to set up he should know how to set up a team to make the best of the big wide open space there. And I think he has the tools to do that. You know, no doubt that the likes of Jamie Clark and uh, some even some fellas out the field, Niall Grimley, Aidan Forker, fellas like that, good athletes, Mark Shields. They're, they thrive in the open spaces and with nothing to lose against this uh, Tyrone team, I think it's a really good opportunity for Matt to really put it up to them. Yeah, a couple of the matchups I'd find very interesting here. Like uh, Jamie Clark is obviously the one to stop for Armagh and I, I'd be thinking the first one that comes to mind is maybe Cahill McCarran will go with him and follow him wherever because he's done it with the likes of Michael Murphy before and he hasn't been unsuccessful, I'd imagine. And then at the other end of the field, Sean Kavanagh is actually married to Charlie Vernon's sister. So it'd be very interesting if that ended up as a matchup as well. What would you see as the main matchups, um, Billy Joe? 
Yeah, I think that would be interesting if Charlie gets the job. I think probably would suit Charlie to, to take somebody like Sean Cavanagh because he, he he wouldn't mind dealing with the, the, the physical stuff in on the edge of the square and then at the same time he would be equally comfortable if, when Sean Cavanagh goes out around the middle of the field. I, I, I think that you're right in that uh, Tyrone will have will will play plenty, plenty of attention to Jamie Clark and, and that's going to make it very difficult for him. But we saw, I suppose, that uh, he came up with the goods in the second half uh, last weekend. But for me... Armagh's success in this game will be based on how the likes of Gavin McParland and Niall Grimley, fellas who have been really good the last couple of games, if they can continue and put in a performance this week, well then Armagh will have a big chance because you would expect that Tyrone would be able to, to maybe shut down uh, Jamie Clark because they're going to just have you know, two or three men will be around him at all times and it may well be a case that it will be up to maybe Gavin McParland in there you know, um, as I said, Niall Grimley kicking his free is having an impact in the, in, the, in, the, in the middle of the field. Rory Grugan, can he put in another, you know, all-action display where he covers every blade of grass and then still chips in with a point or two? And then I think the one thing that you had to be impressed with our man last week was the way they used their bench. Like they got stronger as the game went on. You know, Ethan Rafty made it, uh, scored a great point when he came on. I think Oshin and Neil was absolutely fantastic coming off the bench. And he's a young player with a lot of talent and it probably suits him at this stage in his career because he's not the quickest to come on when the pace is a bit slower and then use that football and intelligence that he has. And he made a huge contribution there. And at the same time for, for Tron, I think it's a, the, the big thing for Tron would be that they've shown that they can close out anything they see in Ulster in terms of their defensive setup and their counter-attacking game. You know, can they be as strong defensively again? And then you, you would expect them to excel in terms of their counter-attack with the, the pace coming out of that half-back line in the open spaces in Cole Park. Um, Shane, I'll put it to you that the way that they are utilising Jamie Clark now, it's less likely he's going to get bottled up by a man-marker in the corner, isolated, frustrated, as an out-and-out corner forward might be if the opposition manager deems him good enough to actually have a man solely responsible for him. If Clark just keeps moving, keeps dragging McCarran in and around the 45 and maybe beyond it, eventually he's going to come on the loop, he's going to get on ball, he's going to be able to pick out those passes, he's going to get a return ball where he'll have an opportunity to kick it over the bar. I just think Jamie Clark in this role is far harder to nail down than he might have been just wearing 13 and and the player expected to get the, the bulk of our mass scores. Uh, funny you should mention it because it wasn't it yourself that did a piece with Paul Flynn earlier in the year and he was talking about how if Somebody wants to tag you at this point, just mark you anywhere you go on the field. It's very difficult to get in the game. Um, so to some degree, that's what he's dealing with. Um, but when he was inside, he got an unbelievable score at one stage. I think a ball was played in front of him and possibly Ollie Lines as well. He sort of faked a step left, went right and threw it over from a narrow mm. angle. Like on that form, if there isn't enough traffic around him, sure, it's, it's very hard to see anyone stopping him. So but he doesn't try and beat a man. Well, Jamie Clark doesn't beat a man. He just uses his body to make half a yard and yeah. over it goes. And the other thing, though, like, uh, and I know that I kind of t- teed it up that a huge amount of this kind of um, will live or die for Armagh on whether Jamie Clark plays well. But he was black-carded after 15 seconds against Westmead. And I know Westmead were on the back of a hammering from Dublin. But the fact that the team went on and won without him anyway shows that it's not just a one-man band. And I don't think we've mentioned Andrew Mernon yet either as well, who who also looks like he can get scores, but... The way Tyrone have absolutely hammered Donegal and down, I don't think we can ignore that because mm. Armagh were never in the shake-up for Ulster and Tyrone won it at a canter. Yeah, are you worried for Armagh from the point of view that they're not the standard bearers in Ulster, Billy Joe, and the teams that we would believe to be closer to Tyrone have just been demolished? And Tyrone are coming into the back of this, probably off the easiest Ulster Championship win that they've come up with under, under Mickey Hart, and they just look like they have an extra two or three gears to kick into which we actually haven't seen the need for yet that if Armagh really put it up to them Toronto are just going to keep them at arm's length 
I think I, I think I'm not worried for them in the fact that I, I think that Armagh will do better than what uh, Donegal and, and and Down did. I, I really do. I, I think they'll, they'll get close to it. And just maybe to hit on the Jamie Clark point, I think Mernon and Gavin McParland do give Jamie himself the flexibility to decide where he goes. Basically, I think that's a huge plus plus for him, and that he, he he the team isn't totally reliant on him winning the ball in the full forward line. But um, yeah, I, I think that it's absolutely key for Armagh to start the game well again. Like they had a really good start against Kildare. Apart from a period in the middle of that first half, they were really consistent. And it kind of started on their own kick-out. Blaine Hughes, as a club made on my own, is an exceptional kicker of the ball. And he did really well on getting the ball out. And I see that matchup to be a huge pressure on him again next week. But I think I see that as hugely important to Armagh. Because the one area that I really feel that Tyrone have improved from last year to this is in that middle field, in middle of the field, and in the sort of the restarts. How they focus on the other team's restarts and how they do on their own because they've really been mixing it really well. They've been going short and they've been going long when they need to on their own kickout. And then they have shown at times that they can put pressure on the opposition kickout. And at other times they've shown they can just let you have the kickout. So they, they really are quite sophisticated in what they do on both restarts. So that would be hugely important for Armagh again that Blaine Hughes and the two and the midfielders and whoever is a target for the Armagh kickouts can get their hands on the ball early and get them up the field and get them into the game as such. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right about all those players in the middle area for Tyrone. Peter Hart, Podrick Hampsey at centre-back has been excellent. Um, Matty I think Donnelly. Was, yeah, Matty Donnelly. Tiernan McCann looks an unbelievable player as well. <coughs> I just wonder with Tyrone, would they look at the last maybe three championship seasons and think, we've really let ourselves down here because 2014, Armagh won 13 points to 10 in Healy Park. And I remember being at the game and thinking, this Tyrone team are brutal. And this was around the time when people wanted Mickey Hart kind of gone. And like... Yeah. At that time, you could have said fair enough. And then mm. 2015, I felt they kind of left that game behind them against Kerry in the All-Ireland semi-final. And then last year against Mayo, just strange to see Sean Kavanagh sent off. And like Mayo weren't exactly firing on all cylinders, the team we saw in the All-Ireland finals. So I just wonder, like, is this Tyrone team going to be fed up of, of letting itself down in the last couple of years? What, what do you think, Billy Joe? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you're right. But I, I think, in all fairness to Mickey Hart, like he knows more about his players than we do. I, I think that he has identified... Um, that they they aren't they weren't a team that could force the issue. You know, we're still not so sure if they can. If you know, if they if teams aren't making mistakes that they're capitalising on, can can they go out and actually force the issue? So I think that was that was the big problem with Tyrone last year in the Mayo game is that Mayo weren't really playing that well in that second half. It was close. Mayo were slightly ahead, and they just couldn't manufacture a score out of anything. I think that because they're now willing to go more direct on their own kickout at times when necessary, everything's not short. Through either you know um, Tiernan, um, uh, Conal McCann, and um, uh, Colum Cavanagh has been excellent on the, on the long ball in midfield and winning that, and even bringing Sean Cavanagh out. I, I think that gives them more of an option to be a bit more direct in how they attack. And if they get halfway up the field quickly, then all it takes is two or three quick hand passes to get a, a shot away around the forty-five. And we saw, particularly against Donegal, that some of that some of that sort of play was excellent. A long kick out, two or three passes, and the ball was over the bar, and it was very hard to defend against that. I think that's something that they've added to their game and I think that's something that they will utilise in Crow Park if they find a game in the balance where I uh, see so they will see that as being I suppose more adventurous play to the kind of methodical short kick out to the cornerback, work it up the field, try and frustrate the opposite the opposition and, and, and create a scoring chance that way. So I think that is something that has improved them from uh, to you know it has added an extra ten percent onto their game in my in my opinion. And they need a test, don't they? Like the, the games against Donegal, against Down, 
they just are, they're cruising through these games and they've got to this point of the championship where they actually haven't been tested at all so given they room for improvement Billy Joe that we think Tyrone have in them because they haven't really been asked too many questions given the momentum that Armagh are taking into the game call it for us which way do you see this going no, I, I think I think Tyrone are further along in their development. They're a more complete team, and I, I think that the pace that they're going to play the game at for seventy minutes will will uh, be a bit too much for Armagh to handle. I suppose uh, uh, with my Armagh bias on, what I'm looking for is them to be in the game as long as they can and build on some of these good performances we've seen from the last last couple of weeks. And you know, who knows if Tyrone are then are off their pace, you, you don't know what 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 could happen. But I, I think you're right. You said it that Tyrone need Armagh to push them hard because Tyrone need to learn a little bit more about themselves before they go and face Goliath. So on a separate but slightly similar point, Shane, when the draw has been made, I would put it to you that Jim Gavin was hoping Monaghan were going to come out of the draw because they know they're probably going to have to face Tyrone in an All-Ireland semi-final and what better team, what better Ulster team to have to take on in a quarter-final than Monaghan if you're going to give yourself some sort of an inside, another test very close in proximity to an All-Ireland semi-final that this is just the game Dublin need. Yeah, a bit of a Tyrone light at the moment like, and that's to suggest that Monaghan aren't quite, quite as good as them and I suppose if Tyrone are back-to-back Ulster champions that stands to reason as well. I was impressed with Monaghan against Down though because Down played all the football in the first half and uh, Connor Harrison obviously went to town score and won three but the way they just kept going and kept going and Connor McManus was hitting the freeze and when you have that assuredness up front with the freeze which Down didn't have at the other end that kind of gives the team confidence and then you see the likes of Connor McCarthy coming on to score four points and uh, a couple other lads coming off the bench like Jack McCarran it's the sort of thing that, that really would give them confidence going into a game like this but we saw a couple of years ago Dublin absolutely smashed them. It was something like two twenty-two to eleven points. So, like, look at Dublin though. Like Conor Callahan, my own club mate, uh, I've seen what he can do at close hand as well, powerhouse. So, so you had the likes of Bernard Brogan and Kevin McManaman, lads who have been decisive in winning all Ireland finals, can't even get in the team, and then a new lad comes in and, and steps up with twelve points. So, it's probably an ideal match for Dublin because they they need a test, and Monaghan should give them that. Will Monaghan give them a test, Billy Joe? Have you seen anything? from Monaghan this year, a side that have been beaten by Down, that barely got beyond Carlo, to suggest they can turn up in Croke Park in an All-Ireland quarter-final and really scare and frighten this Dublin team. Well, like, where's the evidence channel, to suggest that? The only evidence is the league game, a long, long time ago in Clonus, where they actually put it up to Dublin in a great game of football. I think it was the last round of the National League. Uh, I think that one criticism we've had of Monaghan over the last, even throughout their dominance, uh, you know, their dominance spell in Ulster when they won a couple of titles, it was that they were built for playing in Clonus, physically strong, their deep defensive setup, and then they got to Co Park and they didn't have the pace or athleticism to deal with the wide open spaces and the and this was the increased pace of the football. Now, in fairness to Malik, I feel he's tried to address that. You know, he's bring, brought some young players into the field, into the team. He's you know working with a very athletic midfield in terms of the Hughes. He's Carlo Connell, wing back, who drives out of that position very well. Yeah, you're talking about um, Owen Duffy comes on. He's a he's a runner. Uh, you know, he's Tomas Kerr. Uh, all these guys have tried to add this athleticism. And we are going to see the evidence of it on Saturday evening as whether they can still defend well enough and still have the athleticism, I suppose, to hang in there with Dublin when they're under pressure, at the same time then to hurt them on the counter-attack. Because if they can get four or five bodies breaking out of defence at times and get some half-decent ball into into McManus, well then you would think that they would be able to hurt Dublin at, at times. But I suppose then the challenge for them is how long, it, for me, it comes out of how long can Monaghan stick with 
Dublin. I, I don't think it's ever. I don't think it'll ever be a case that Monaghan are going to be able to turn them over. And I think the the more the, the best outcome for I suppose for any of us neutrals who want to see a spectacle is that the uh, hope that Monaghan stick in there for fifty or sixty minutes. And I suppose that's why it makes the first couple of minutes so vitally important as it is against Dublin. We saw against Kildare a team who were, you know, who I suppose maybe when two goes down early and we maybe put too much into the rest of the game because you know it's easy to play sometimes when you're when you're six points down because there's no pressure on you um, it's, it's a lot more difficult when you're you know a point up or a point down and you know every ball counts and matters um, so we'll just have, hopefully that Monaghan will be able to start the game well and really take it minute by minute after that When you look at the scores Shane that Dublin have put together 2-23 4-29 and then the 19 points against Carlo albeit a fairly iffy performer is still a big tally they're up against a Monaghan defence that's conceded 116 and 114 to down over two games. This is a down team that was outclassed by Tyrone in an Ulster final. If Billy Joe is going back to the league game against what we believe to be a fairly undercooked Dublin side, even back in late March, you just wonder how they can possibly keep the score down against a Dublin attack now that bears little or no resemblance to the one that Monaghan would have faced in Clonus that day. We've got Conor Callaghan and a starter right now. You've got Bernard Brogan coming in, looking like he's ready to start games again. You've got Kieran Kilkenny playing in a slightly different position. No Dear McConnelly. They've got a different look to their midfield as well. It's a new look Dublin side almost, which seems to be a crazy thing to say, given how familiar we become with them. Yeah, and Paul Flynn on the bench as well, because up to like last year, we were talking about how Dear McConnelly is twenty nine. Actually, I think he's turned thirty now. Paul Flynn's around that age. Michael Dar McCauley the same, and and you start to think like, is this team going to slow down? And then all of a sudden they throw in Paul Mannion, Conor Callahan, and Dean Rocks there as well, and Kieran Kilkenny who's quite young, and all of a sudden they're just it's just going to roll on, and it feels like there's another five or ten years of this to go. Um, You'd worry about the Monaghan defence, all right, because Drew Wiley was under huge pressure from Conor Harrison, and they tried both games. Yeah, and they tried Ryan Wiley on him as well. And obviously, Conor Harrison isn't playing for Dublin, but Dublin have attacking threats in there as well. And it's amazing that we're 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 probably all fancying. You know, I know I tried to paint a positive light for Monaghan, but we all fancy probably a double digit win for Dublin in the end. The last ten minutes, they'll pull away, and it's it's just very hard to see anything else. The only the upshoot was a couple of years ago, Monaghan pushed Dublin really close in a league semi final in Croke Park so maybe in some ways they can get confidence from that but uh, I think Davy Byrne was on Conor McManus that day and probably a little bit too exposed and it's very hard to see Dublin leaving him with too much space Well it'll be Cooper or McMahon won't it? Yeah, yeah sure yeah. and like you'd imagine there'll be no novice on him and there'll also be Keno Sullivan always lurking around because it's pretty obvious what Monaghan are going to try and do. Will they go back to Jack McCarron and say maybe he's got confidence now after coming on? Decent performance against Down, got himself a point as well. Maybe they think, do you know what, his confidence is back. Maybe we'll see the league, Jack McCarron, back again. But if it's just Conor McManus up there, he's going to be surrounded. And you'd imagine it'd be very difficult for him to get too many scores. Billy Joe, I guess yeah. this is probably the end, is it? If, if Monaghan... No matter really what happens in this year's championship, that Malachi O'Rourke is probably going to step away. I would have thought he's been down the road a long time with this group of Monaghan players. And you would hate to see, if it is to be his final game on the sideline, how brilliant a manager he's been for them. You would hate to see it ending in a really heavy, like, 20-point defeat. Oh, yeah, no, he he wouldn't deserve that because I think he's done, as you said, it's a fantastic job in terms of what he's done. And he took a lot of experienced players and molded them into a really good, solid team unit in a county that doesn't have a whole lot of resources. And I I have to say, I think, as I said earlier, he's doing the right thing for trying to integrate these younger, more athletic players. I think that's the way forward for Monaghan. But I don't think, I don't think, I think Monaghan will be able to 
to, to stick with Dublin for a, a, a long period. I, I think that I think Maliki understands in his experience that I don't think he's going to go out and do what Kildare did and play this sort of fast tempo game, and that just plays into the hands of of, of Dublin. You really it, it, it really has to turn into a sort of a, a park the bus effort you might see of, of of Mourinho proportions, where you literally take you know thirty seconds on every line ball 30, as long as you can on every kick out, try and disjoint the game, injuries slow it down that way, try and keep Dublin out of their rhythm with the knowledge that the four or five key attacks that you will have in in that first 25-minute period that you need to come away with scores and then you, at the other end you have to be able to keep them out even though you know, you're trying to slow down a disjoint game. I think that's the only way. It's, it's, it's about surviving those first 50-60 minutes and then just see if you can have something coming off the bench that will hurt Dublin. And that's why I think as well in relation to Jack McCarron that I think you'd leave him, you'd leave him for, for late on to see if you need an outside shooter to come on and if it's still close. And, and that's the way I look at that situation. Dave, I wonder, what, what do you think, how much, what sort of a tally do you think Monaghan need to put up here to win? Because I was just looking at the all the historical meetings they've had in the championship and they've met four times and in total Monaghan have scored 15 points against Dublin during that time. What do you think they need to put up on Sunday? Well, look, or three Saturday? of those games were between 1908 and 1923, so I'm not sure how <laughs> relevant <laughs> they are no. to what we're going <laughs> to see this weekend. Look, I'm thinking Monaghan are going to have to score 215 to win this game. Yeah. And... They're not going to score that amount. That just will not happen. Kildare managed to put up a fairly sizable score in the Leinster final of 117. I'd be amazed if Monaghan got close to that. But you know Dublin are going to score 215, regardless of whether they're bottled up or not. And I think it's goals, Billy Joe, isn't it? That Roscommon survived last weekend because of those goals. They were living off those goals after 10 minutes for the rest of the game. They were the only reason they were in the game. If Monaghan get two or three goal opportunities, they probably have to take every one of them. None of this hand-passing the ball over the bar. If you see an opportunity, you put your head down and you try and drill it as hard as you can because they will be the little moments in this game that will keep Monaghan breathing. No, no doubt. I, 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 I think you're exactly right. You probably need three goals. You need to, because if anything, you probably need that sort of craziness to happen that you get a couple of goals early on and, and add, maybe add a bit of doubt to the Dublin defenders, and that you hope that that might affect their play as much as the boost it will give you. And uh, it's the only way of getting enough points on the board to beat them because they're going to finish strong. They'll probably get a goal of their own at least. And um, so, uh, yeah, I think that the focus coming into the game will be you have to have a very specific game plan and kind of script it out minute by minute. But with the knowledge that, as you described, once you get inside that 30-yard line, if there's a goal there to be worked, you have to be brave and go for it. And Hopefully Malachi O'Rourke will have put that message to them and there will be an acknowledgement that if players maybe make the wrong decision from time to time, maybe look appear to be a little bit selfish in a particular position, that this is something they've discussed. We will not win without goals. The last team to beat Dublin in the championship, Donny Goals, those goals that day were what killed Dublin. Yeah. Mm. And Fintan Kelly seems to be the one coming up with goals. We know Conor McManus can do it, but will he be tracked constantly in a way that maybe Fintan Kelly wouldn't be coming up from cornerback? What, I, what I'd be curious is uh, to ask Billy Joe is that it's, it's been a constant sort of commentary about Mayo that they've played so many games and, and crucially extra time in there. But this is Monaghan's seventh game of the championship season. It's just a fourth for Dublin. Does that make much of a difference here or is it the fact that they've played like the likes of Carlo and Wexford in that run mean that it's not that big of a deal? 
I, I think they've, they haven't had as tough games as as like they've had a couple of tough games, but not haven't been pushed the way Mayo have. Their, their confidence yeah. probably hasn't been knocked the way Mayo's confidence has by, by some of these games. And I also think I liked what Malachi Rook did with his team for down the last day. You know, he made a number of changes to the starting line lineout with you know Duffy and McCarran not being in it, and that I think that in many ways. The fellas coming in get energized by being given a shot. If they feel like they've contributed, if they've done reasonably well, and then he'd a, he'd a, he'd a bunch of subs to come come on in the second half that made them stronger. So you end up walking away from that game as a squad feeling a whole lot better about yourself. I actually think that if we want to talk about Mayo, that's what Mayo need to do this Monday. But I I think that that has put Monaghan in a, in a, in, a, in as good a possible place in terms of their preparation, having had to play all those games. So no, I don't think it'll be a, a negative to them in any way. Won't ask you for your prediction, Billy Joe, because I think it's probably obvious um, what way it will go. Let's just hope Monaghan are competitive and that if it is to be Malachi O'Rourke's final match in charge, that uh, he can be, take an awful lot of pride in their performance because he's been one of the best managers in the country for the last four or five years. You've mentioned Mayo Roscommon there. Um, generally, the feeling in these types of situations where you've got a significant underdog involved is that the team that were expected to lose on day one and didn't is is has probably lost its chance, Billy Joe. But given the way that it was Roscommon who rescued it with that brilliant free late on, and they had never really experienced, bar one of their players in that game, the big match day experience of Croke Park, that maybe Roscommon are thinking, right, lads, we've got over 70 minutes under our belts. We've shown Mayo what we're capable of. They don't seem to be firing in all cylinders. And we're going to be much better on day two than we were on day one. I agree. I, I fully expect them to be better. I, I think that when you look at the Roscommon performance and knowing the players they have, all right, they're inexperienced at that level and in Crow Park, but we know there's talent there and they didn't live up to that talent. And it shouldn't be that those Roscommon players were unfamiliar with the, the Mayo lineup in that they, they know both teams obviously know each other very well. So I'm fully expecting that Inda Smith and the Murtis uh, and the players like that, uh, even Conor Devaney, will have better games. Uh, we'll have a better game on, on Monday and I, I think that that's the challenge then for Mayo is that they know that Roscommon are going to improve and they have to improve as well and uh, there's plenty of room for improvement but I don't subscribe to the, the, the I think it's kind of maybe a lazy view in this instance that oh, Mayo are just going to turn up and win because that's what the favourite team does normally in this situation I, I think that Roscommon and the message that Kevin McSale will be getting across is okay You know, we didn't play well and we still were there at the very, at the very end and it could have been a different outcome if we play well, you know, we might start to announce ourselves as, as, the, as the common force in, in Connacht and, and, and Mayo were very much on uh, being on the decline then. And it probably will finish this Mayo team if they are to lose, if they are to lose on Monday. So I, I, I think that the, the normal narrative in this situa- situation goes out the window because I think Ross Common will really see this as an opportunity to, to announce themselves. And there were so many opportunities for them in the drawn game, Shane, to let the head drop because they had the great start. Suddenly they're 20 minutes later they haven't kicked another score and they're losing in the game they're demolished just coming up to the last 10 minutes before half time then having got themselves back into it they find themselves needing a late equaliser to force a replay there were opportunities for Roscommon to allow their inexperience to get the better of them to allow maybe a sated appetite after winning a kind of title to get the better of them and they just came up with the answer so you would think if they can stick in the game for longer periods this time around that they'll be able to put up a bigger score and maybe finally Mayo's race will be run. Mm, and as well, the fact that their star man, Enda Smith, couldn't get into the game mm. whatsoever because of the tactic of putting Lee Keegan on him. And uh, I know we, we, it's probably been, been commented on all week 
what a, what a master stroke it was from Kevin McStay to then put him in full forward and Keegan followed him back. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with that matchup again. It's interesting, Mayo have actually had four replays in the last four seasons, um, whereas Roscommon had just one, which was the Galway kind of final last year and they got hammered in the replay but may have actually lost three of those four replays so as much as we think that the big dog will show up uh, in the second game and win it's it's been looking unlikely for in for Mayo in the last few years. To be fair, the three replays they lost were all to the eventual All Ireland champions. Yeah, yeah. Which kind of they're up against. They're, this is the elite of the elite. They're yeah, up against. Yeah, and to be fair, they were very unlucky, especially against Kerry in 2014. Yeah. Sure, um, Shane Enright should have been sent off for a yellow and then a black card, and obviously Aidan O'Shea and Killian O'Connor bumped heads, and Cormac Riley came in for huge criticism for his performance that day, which was very much against Mayo. I felt, but uh, I'd be very interested to see what happens with Andy Moore in this time because there's a lot of talk about him being 33 and he was brought off with a few minutes to go and like you know with a, with a player if he does tire in the last few minutes because you'd imagine with Colin Boyle being taken off they look at the GPS trackers and see the power outage must must be fading late on in the game but like Billy Dooley in that five minute All-Ireland final he was standing on the Cusick stand side and ended up scoring over to, uh, throwing over two or three points Andy Moore, and if he gets the ball, even though he missed a few chances the last day, you'd imagine he's the guy to put it over. And even if there is, is a possibility that they just bring him off the bench this time and bring him on for a half an hour. Well, Billy Joe, there have oh, been allegations that these substitutions are pre-programmed, that no matter how well Colin Boyle is playing, they know before the game starts that he's going to be withdrawn with 15 minutes left. Yeah, it sure, look, it, there's no doubt it looks like that. You know, I, 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 I'm still one of these guys to say you use the, the data, the, the stats you have in relation to the GPS and all that. Can you not be a slave to, to them, though? I mean, can oh, you be I a slave to the data? And like Colin Boyle is still a warrior that even if the legs are just starting to go a little bit, you need him there for when the game has to be oh, won. You and I could not agree more, Jay. You know, the, the data is there to assist you, but it has to pass the eye test. Like, I think we, we all three of us agree that the eye test was telling you that Cullen Boyle was having a good game. He was slipping, diving into everything, being you know being typical tigerish Cullen Boyle. You know, if the ball was there, he was putting his head in, where fellas would put his boot. And like that's why I just feel you had to leave him there because in a in local derby like that, a close game, it all could have come down to just him winning a, a ball or two here or there. And the same thing I've been saying all season about Andy, and this is not a criticism of Andy. Andy is still probably, I think he's probably the second best forward Mayo have after after Killian. But I just want to see him on the field at the end of the game. And and I think that, I, I mentioned earlier on about, I like the way Malika Rook managed his squad for the, for the down game last weekend where he gave a, a number of lads a, an opportunity with the knowledge that he had more experienced fellas to bring on the second half. I really think that the only option Stephen Rochford has now is to really kind of go for it a little. And I mean by that, by leaving Andy on the bench, by bringing in Donald Vaughan, uh, you maybe you, may you, uh, you bring in uh, Conor Loftus, you maybe even bring in David Drake for uh, Jack Cafferty. You, you, you know, like uh, Cohen might come in there for Kevin McLaughlin. All in the knowledge that you're given the likes of Andy, Kevin McLaughlin, whoever, Jack Cafferty, uh, a break, Jamie O'Shea, a break. Fellas, then, did you know you can bring on the last 20 minutes that have a big game experience in terms of they'll have a cool head when the game's in the balance? Because if you remember oh, if last week, Killian Connor missed about two or three of these chances at the end because he was the only option. 
And he knew in himself he he had to be taking the final shot for Mayo. Even though he looked knackered, in many cases he wasn't in the best position to take the shot, but he knew he had to take the, take the shot because there was no one else on the field in a green and red jersey that could do it. If Andy Moran was there, that pressure is all automatically halved because you know that you, he, Killian knows he could give it to Andy and Andy will take that shot. And I think that's, if anything, those substitutions that we're talking about weakened Mayo going into those later stages of the game, even though the bodies that they're probably bringing on were fresher and fitter and all that, but it weakened them in terms of being able to execute, you know, you know what you want them to do in terms of two or three quick passes, create a scoring chance, kick it over the bar. Shane, what way is this game going to go? Who's going to win it and why? It's so hard to call because I don't know whether it's Mayo or physically flagging or whether they're going to need to face a big dog to really get that fire in their bellies, which, you know, you'd think against a neighbour that that would fire them up like anything. But, uh, I would go for Mayo, but cautiously, um, because we haven't seen a huge amount from Aidan O'Shea, Killian O'Connor, Dermot O'Connor, Andy Moran. We haven't seen them flying. It's been Lee Keegan carrying the team. Uh, I think eventually these lads are going to step up and just enough to get over Roscommon, but, jeez, I don't say it with a huge amount of confidence. It just seems they're living off years of inbuilt grit and battle hard hardiness, Billy Joe. And that's just the only thing that's keeping them alive at the moment that you just feel some somewhere whether it's Monday or an All-Ireland semi-final they're just there for the taking yeah I agree I, I think it's it's. It, I admire them I, I it, it, it's actually amazing me that they just don't give in because the opportunity when they were what were they 8-1 down at that stage the opportunity was there for them to, to give in and okay maybe it was single-handedly Lee Keegan dragged them back into it but uh, they have never shown that they can't. Even the even the Galway game this year, where they just battled with fourteen men for like uh, forty minutes, and just kept kept going and going and going. And, it, and Derry very and Cork, there were times and, in both of those yeah. games where they could have just thought it's just not happening for us here. Yeah, and they kept going, and I think, but they're not playing well, and and that's that's the problem. And we have seen good performances. We've seen good performances from Aidan O'Shea, uh, and we've seen good performances from Killian O'Connor. I suppose we just haven't seen that collective performances have been able to put it all together and you've been able to say that was a 70 minute that was 70 minutes of controlled good decent football by Mayo and you know you're not expecting them to dominate, dominate every minute of a 70 at this stage of the championship against any of the opposition but you, you, you've got to do a better job than what they're doing and, and in many ways they look kind of they look like unsure of what they want to do tactically at times as well and, and uh, that is kind of troubling and you know, the last place you want to be going into Co Park and even in a quarterfinal or anything after that and, and not be exactly clear on, on what game plan you're implementing before you go out in the field. And I think as well as affecting the form of the players has been some of that disjointed thinking. Because you're looking at the likes of Kevin McLaughlin who had a very uh, good season for Mayo as a sweeper last year, hasn't played there at all this year. And his form has been totally up and down all, all season. And I, I think that maybe if he had continued that sweeper role, he, he might have a, a much more he would have a better campaign and even some of the other defenders around the world because that's what they would develop that relationship and get used to him being in that area of the field and I think that's some of the things that have impacted on, on Mayo playing this sort of disjointed football them. Do you still go with Mayo though just because they're Mayo because of their ability to hang in there and maybe just that nagging feeling that there is a kick in them whether it's this Monday or an All-Ireland semi-final against Kerry that it will come eventually this year just in time to save their bacon yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not. I think it'll come this Monday. I'm not sure whether they'll be able to put it up to Kerry, uh, if, uh, even if they get over this Monday. I, I would feel very confident that if he if he plays some of the fringe players, four or five of them from the start on Monday, 
that I, I think that will change the mood of the of the Mayo squad. And I, I think then, with the knowledge that the fellas he has to bring off the bench in the second half, I think that is the way to go, and that will result in them beating Roscommon. I'd be worried if he just wheeled out the same team again, because I just think then that you're you're going to find yourself 20 minutes with a lot of older, tired lads on the field, and Roscommon's still in the game, and maybe even Roscommon have more freshness to bring off the bench. So I, I kind of would nearly qualify like that. If, if, he, if, he, if he starts the French lads, leaves Andy and, and, and Jamie O'Shea and some of these other lads to come off the bench, well, well then I, I think they'll win. But I, I, just, I, I just think their, their, their physical level has, has, I suppose, deteriorated too much for them to be much of a challenge to carry even in a semi-final in a couple of weeks if they get there. Billy Joe, brilliant so far. Always good talking to you. We'll chat to you soon. Thank you. Yeah, there are the thoughts of Billy Joe Padden ahead of the three huge games this weekend. Two on Saturday and one on Monday. All three will be covered on Off the Ball over the course of the weekend. All of our GA and Off the Ball with thanks to Borgosh Energy, official sponsor of the GA Hurling Under-21 Championship. Keep up to date and follow hashtag Hurling to the Core. We'll be back shortly with final thoughts. Okay, so that's all our match previews. Any any other business? Anything else you want to get off your chest? What are you looking forward to most this Sunday? Apart from the obvious, clearly you're you are really um, chomping at the bit in terms of getting stuck into Tip Galway. But is there anything else? No, I actually am looking forward to every one of these games because Tyrone Armagh is going to be poisoned, you'd imagine. Uh, I just want to see if Monaghan can put up a good showing against Dublin. I think I think they will. I don't think they'll they'll win. Uh, Mayo Roscommon, should God knows what will happen. More drama. Obviously, Tip Galway is the big one. I just really wonder like, can Tip keep with them over the 70 minutes because I just can't imagine away those problems that Tipperary have had in the full back line and even around the middle of the field not winning enough ball so I'm just interested to see which of these teams will follow through and if Galway can actually can actually finally man up and do it Yeah, I'm kind of thinking of the managers ahead of this weekend I don't expect to see Malachy O'Rourke back although I think if he wanted to stay in Monaghan the job is his for as long as he wants it he's clearly already started to embed some of these younger guys that have come up through the underage ranks and um, won a couple of Ulster Championships at underage level in the last few years so I think the Monaghan future is actually quite bright and he's probably the best man to do it I just wonder overall will he have had enough after this weekend and so I hope Monaghan put in a really big performance for Malachy O'Rourke because I have so much admiration for him as a manager. I wonder, will McGinney be back if Armagh don't beat Tyrone, despite the clear progress Armagh have made in this year's championship? And you wonder, will Stephen Rochford be the Mayo manager next year if they get beaten in an All-Ireland quarterfinal against Russ Common? So there is an awful lot going on in the background here. There's potential managerial futures on the line this weekend. Even Mickey Hart, who knows? Actually, McGinney, when he originally agreed to take over, it was a five-year um, appointment so you'd imagine he was in it for the long haul no matter what happened uh, Rochford is going to have unbelievable pressure to go on his head if they don't mm. win this game because not winning Connacht either season um, probably could have won the All-Ireland last year and was that the final kick of a of a dying horse or whatever yeah, well, I do <laughs> remember that saying is <laughs> I was sitting in the commentary box in Markovich Park we were waiting for Donegal yeah. Galway to throw in because obviously the game had been delayed due to the fact that the Cork Mayo game had gone to extra time and myself and Paul Early were sitting there and I just thought when Cork were coming back into the game then they will, when they led in extra time like this is the end of this Mayo team mm. this Mayo team as we know it are gone after all that's gone on in the last few years and they will not have emerged with that All-Ireland medal and they somehow managed to stay alive they managed to do it again against mm. Roscommon but you feel again 
I mean, it's just was it was that just a stay of execution that if they lose on Monday, is this Mayo team gone? Because all these guys are getting on in years, an awful lot of mileage on the clock. Would you love to see them win in All Ireland? I would love to see that team win in All Ireland. I think there are guys in that team for whom I would love to see it happen. Yes. Wow, you've qualified it. Well, it's not that there's guys in the team that I don't want to see win in All Ireland, <laughs> but I'm talking about the likes of. Do Luke they take selfies now? These lads who don't want to win All Ireland. Keith Higgins, <laughs> Colin Boyle, David Clark, Andy Moore, and. Like these guys are warriors, yeah. and they have been for so long—ten years uh, at a minimum. Andy Moore goes back. This is what his fourteenth championship season, and I just think it would just be so great for Andy Moore to have an All Ireland medal. Like he's played in all those finals from '04 all the way through to last year, and he hasn't got a winner's medal to show Alan for Dillon it. Alan Dillon too. Alan Dillon as well. Yeah. Like these guys deserve more than they've got, but deserving it and getting it are two very yeah. different it's like things. Derek, Derek McGrath, you know, I mean, I, obviously everyone wants their own county to win the All-Ireland, so I want Tip to win the All-Ireland. But, what, but what I wouldn't would begrudge to Waterford, like? I wouldn't begrudge it to Derek yeah. McGrath because, as you know, he's an unbelievable person to interview and he just, the stories you hear about what he does for the players and... Yeah, they like, love him down there. Yeah, they t- they, he organises study sessions for the lads who are students when they go away on camp and whatever. So he's just all things to all men down there from everything I hear. So And at the same time, when you think of the crap that Kevin McStay and Lee McHale have had to put up with this yeah. year, how phenomenal it would be for them and the people of Roscommon. I mean, are there more ardent um, football fans in the country than the Roscommon supporters? Like, yeah. Once they have something to get behind, they're like a, an unstoppable force. And after what Mickey Hart's gone through, would you begrudge him... Uh, no, bringing well. them back, bringing a fourth Toronto team back to win an All Ireland. There's an awful lot of incredible stories, and then of course, if Dublin win the All Ireland, it's just more of the same. And boring. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we'll leave it there. We shall speak to you next week when we'll have a very good idea of uh, where these championships are going to end up. Have a good weekend, enjoy all the games, and we'll chat to you soon. Be a goal on here, goal chance for Conor Surely give it in, Conor. What a goal! <laughs> Mackey heading it towards the 21 metre line. Keep Mackey chance. still going. Go on, your boy. Goal is up for Cats. Oh, what a goal! I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly. But will stick in your mind at the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. Did a small change before the game worked the street. I've been a look, Donovan, Donovan Connor, wild effort on goal. It's oh, on the goal! Oh, 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 it's on oh, the Coppers! Yeah. Yeah. good it might sound a little something, but damn the game, if it don't mean nothing, what is game? Who got game? Where's the game in life? Behind the game, behind the game. I got game, she got game, we got game, they got game, he got game. It might feel good, it might sound a little something, but the game.